So part two of this series where three churches are taking on one topic. Um, started last week with burnout, <clears throat> and uh, based on the response that I got, based on the response that Grant got, based on the response that Nate got, we hit a little bit of a nerve, which isn't surprising um, to us. Um, but there is a lot of stuff in our churches. There's a lot of stuff in our community and one of the reasons we want to do this church with other churches is to, is to go after that in our community. So um, one of the things I want to encourage you to do um, is, I, this is what I did last week. After we were done here, I went home and I watched Grant's message and I watched Nate's message because uh, I think there's just something good about us learning from what their church is struggling with, with, with what they're talking about. Um, there's power in that. Um, and so I want to encourage you to do that. If you weren't with us last week and you have no idea what we're talking about, um, we put our messages online forever for free for anyone. So you can check that out later on um, today. But um, there's, there's this idea that I kind of thought of this week. I actually talked to Grant about it. Um, the, the thought that kept on going through my mind this week is Jesus's words from Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And I've always thought of that as individuals, which I think Jesus was talking about that as individuals. But Jesus showed up in ways this week, in this past week, in all three of our churches, where I can point to that verse now and say, I think he's talking about churches as well. There's something about churches being unified. There's something about churches coming together where Jesus shows up in a unique way, where he might not in other ways. So um, that happened last week. I don't have any doubt that it'll happen um, again this week, but um, just, just really, really excited about this um, series, really excited about what we're going to talk about today. So let's just jump in. Um, I would not label myself a worrier. I would not label myself an anxious person. Um, it's just not something that I struggle with a whole lot. I even asked my wife this week, like, okay, help me think through what I worry about. Like, if you could give me a list, that would be really helpful. And she even struggled to come up uh, with, some, with some things that I worry about or what's, what makes my list. Um, but then, you know, I, I take a step back and, and I think, just like everybody else, the last two years have revealed stuff in me that wasn't there before. Um, I think I'm worrying and, and, and anxious around things today that I wasn't two years ago. And, and, and yeah, it... COVID revealed some stuff in me, uh, just like it did everybody else. Like, I don't, I, I can't fathom all the stuff that has come to the surface because of that. I don't think we'll ever really be able to fathom everything that's, that's kind of come up. But I also know, and I also believe that like all the worry and stress and anxiety that has come because of that hasn't helped what's happened. Like we can point to, to some of the things that have caused that stuff in us, but then you, you think about all of the stuff that comes with that, and you just think that just, it really hasn't helped. We know what, what, what the cause is, but then you look at our, some of our responses, like that's, that's not real helpful. And, and so the question that I kind of want to go after today is um, not the short-term situational stress or anxiety. What do you do with the stuff that's there for months? What do you do with the stuff that's there for years? What do you do with the stuff that you've felt this for a really long time and you don't see a finish line? You don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. What do you, what do, you do when you're not sure what to do? When it comes to worry, when it comes to stress, when it comes 
to anxiety. So that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today, because I, I believe Jesus has something to say about that, okay? So um, I, I know they have different medical definitions. They operate differently in our lives, but I'm going to use um, three words. We're going to talk about four, but I'm going to use three words interchangeably, because they're kind of all from the same family. You could call them cousins, okay? So uh, fear, um, stress, anxiety, and worry. I'm going to use some of those words interchangeably. And real quick, I just kind of want to go through, again, they're all emotions that we all feel at one time or another in, in response to what happens in life. But I just want to give a slight delineation between those four things as we work into um, the text for today, okay? So first one, stress. Stress almost always has an external trigger, okay? So uh, you're a college student and you've got a test this Wednesday that I just reminded you of. And all of a sudden, there's stress, Right? Um, you have a deadline at work that you, you've got to finish. It, it, it causes stress inside of you. Maybe there's some, um, there's some conflict with a spouse. There's some conflict with a parent. There's some conflict with, with, with your son or your daughter. Um, you, you have a big medical bill looming. You know it's coming. You just don't know when it's going to get there. Uh, your, your, your furnace breaks in the middle of winter. That's just different things that have external triggers that cause stress inside of us. So that's stress, okay? Then there's fear. We're actually going to come back and talk about fear next week. But fear is an external threat. It's an external trigger. It's an external threat. And we usually have a much bigger response to it than we do to stress. So example, planning a wedding is a little less stressful than being chased by a bear right? Like if you get chased by a bear, you don't sit there thinking, huh, how should I handle this? Like deep breaths, count to 10. No, you run, right? That's fear. It's, it's an external threat and it creates much more of a reaction. Okay. Again, we're going to come back to that next week. Then there's the two things that I really want us to talk about today. Um, anxiety and worry, anxiety and worry, anxiety. There's an uncertain trigger to anxiety. We know we feel anxious, but sometimes we can't always pinpoint what it is that's causing it. It's hidden. It's concealed. Um, and, and again, you're not always sure what's triggering it. You just know you feel. There's even a clinical diagnosis called generalized anxiety disorder. Like you can't pinpoint it. It's just, it's just kind of there, but it's concealed. You don't know why. Then there's worry, which I would characterize as an internalization of an external problem. It's an internalization of an external problem. This is where um, you know you're stressed, you know you're anxious, you know what that's about, but then you internalize it by thinking about it and processing it and mulling it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think, um, I think it's Philip Yancey that says that worry is like prayer in reverse. We just we make issues bigger than than they actually are. It's a decision we make to internalize an external problem. And those of you who worry a lot would say, no, it's not a decision I make. It's just, it's just what I do. I don't have any control over it. I'm actually going to push back on that a little bit today and say, worry is like a habit that we teach ourselves or that life teaches us. And if it's a habit we can learn, it's a habit we can unlearn as well. So, all of that, I'll say one more thing before we dive into the text today. I said it last week, I'll say it again this week. I am not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. 
okay? I am, I am not up here giving medical advice or counseling, but we do have people we would suggest that you go see if you find yourself needing that. What, what I'm trying to do is, is look at life through the lens of what Jesus says in Scripture. I am not trying to diagnose or treat. I'm looking at life through the lens of, of Scripture. But some of you are at a point where your worry, your stress, your anxiety is interfering with your life. It's interfering with your ability to maintain relationships. And we have an entire list of people in Topeka that we would suggest you sit down and talk with that. Talk, talk about them with that. Because a 30-minute message, not even a five-week series is going to help that. It might help a little bit. But, but, but the statistics are crazy high of people who deal with anxiety and stress and worry, but they don't sit down and they don't seek professional help. And one of the, one of the reasons we wanted to do this series is to shine a big old spotlight on that and to say to people, you're not less than for seeking help. You're not wrong for wanting or for needing that kind of help. And if there's any way that we can help with that, even if it's just by saying this, we want to help people. Because, come on, if you break your arm, you don't sit there and go, oh, I'm, I'm just going to keep praying about this and see what God does. Right? You don't do that. You don't do it with your physical body. If our emotions, if our mind needs some healing, we should probably go to a professional to help us with that. Because some sometimes it's a chemical thing. Sometimes it's a medication thing. Sometimes it's a trauma thing. And we, we need to work through that with somebody who can guide us through that. So that's you. Resource table is in the lobby. We want to encourage you to look at the resources, to take the, the resource list, to take the reference list. Make a call. Sit down with somebody. Talk through some of this stuff. See if it's even something that, that you need to. Stop putting it off and find help for that. Now, if that's not you, if you're not to that extent where it's not interfering with your life or interfering with your ability to maintain relationships, it's just generalized everyday stress and anxiety, that may be, I just need to sit down with a trusted friend and work through it. I need to, maybe I need to talk about this with my small group. Maybe I need to sit down with one of the pastors and talk about that. Some, that's something we would encourage you to do as well. And then the other step is, maybe you don't want to do any of that, but you have a question. You have something that you would like for us to talk about that maybe we're not talking about. That's what the text option is for. That's what the QR code is for. That's what, for those of you who are watching this online, you can do it right now. We want to gather as much of that stuff as we can, and then I'm going to hand it to the experts and let them answer it in part five of the series. So we'll get to those as many as possible. Um, but, but again, what does Jesus say about Anxiety. What does Jesus say about worry? He actually does have something to say very specific about this. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, I hope you do, find Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. Um, there are all kinds of issues sometimes where you're like, I wish the Bible would talk about this. Um, there are all kinds of issues that the Bible doesn't talk about directly, specifically. This is not one of those. This is one of those where Jesus says some very specific things. So we're going to look at what he says and then I got a little homework for you today, all right? So here we go. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. There it is. Let's pray and go home. You get out early today, right? If only it was that easy, right? Now, 
that kind of makes Jesus sound a little tone deaf, but there's more to it than that. I, I stopped there because I wanted to make a point. I don't want us to miss this. Jesus was pretty clear. We don't have to worry. Now, saying don't worry doesn't equal saying don't care. That's different. He's not saying be irresponsible. He's saying fill out the application. He's saying go to school. He's saying study for the test. He's saying love your spouse well. He's, he's, don't worry does not equal don't care. What Jesus is saying here, and this will become more clear as we go through this, what he's saying here is you don't have to be consumed with things you have no control over. That's what he's getting at. Here's where I get that. Here's the rest of what he said in context. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And again, we, we read that and we go, well, I, can't control, I, I can control that stuff. Why would I worry about that? But we have to go back to what the original audience heard and what they thought. If you go back to first century Palestine, Jesus's audience where they lived, what we, we would consider them the developing world. It wasn't a question of whether, okay, am I going to have a salad or a burger for lunch? It was a question of, am I going to have lunch at all? It was a question of, these are, these are, these are people living hand to mouth. They're, most of them are day laborers, which means they have a job on Tuesday, but there's no guarantee they have a job on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. And if they don't, they don't have a way to make money. If they don't have a way to make money, they don't have a way to feed their family. And there may be a handful of us listening to this or watching this that understand that, or maybe we used to understand that. But for the vast majority of us, we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat. We don't have to worry about drinking clean water. We don't have to worry about what we're going to wear. Most of the time, we have to worry about finding space for all the stuff we have to wear. So our problems aren't the same problems, but we still deal with worry. We still deal with anxiety. So Jesus' words are just as relevant to us today. In fact, here's, here's what I used to think as a kid. I used to think, man, when I grow up and I, I have my own house and I have my own job and I have my own family, I'm not going to worry about this stuff anymore. <laughs> and all of you who have those things now, what do you do about them? You worry. It's like I have more to worry about ever in the history of my life because I have more stuff. I have more responsibility. I have more people around me. I have more to worry about now than I used to. So the more we have, the more we worry. So yeah, in one sense, we don't worry about any of the stuff his original audience did. But in another sense, we have more to worry about than they did. We have bigger things to worry about. And Jesus comes along and says, stop it. Don't worry about all that stuff. And then he asks a great question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Well, yeah, but I'm not sure how that helps. What does that mean? And then I think Jesus pointed up, because I think Jesus is outside when he teaches this, and I think he pointed up, or he looked up, and he said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. We go, well, we have so much more to worry about than that, Jesus. I'm worried about retirement and inflation and this whole war thing in Ukraine. Like, are you paying attention to that? Because I'm paying attention to that. I have so much more to worry about, and you're comparing me to a bird. Really? 
And Jesus says, yeah, really. Have you ever thought about birds? Like they don't worry about their house. In spring, they just start grabbing little twigs and leaves and strings and they build this little nest and they go, here's our house. They don't worry about remodeling their kitchen. They don't worry about square footage. They don't worry about the market going crazy. They don't worry about any of that stuff. Have you ever thought about bird parenting? <laughs> they just have kids. And then one day they tell their kids, time to fly. And they push them out of the nest. <laughs> Good luck, right? It's not great parenting advice, but Jesus, Jesus just says, look at them. Look at how, look at how they operate. They're not worried. He, and he said all of that to say this. Are you not much more valuable than they? Birds, you. Birds, you. You go all the way back to Genesis 1, beginning of the story. God creates everything. He says it's good. Then he created you. You know what he called you? Very good. You're the crown of his creation. And he says, I got this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. I take care of the birds, and I love them, and I love you way more than them. I'm, I'm going to take care of you. So why are you worried? And then, and then he asked another question. This is one of those questions we know the answer to, but it's really annoying that we know the answer to it. Jesus asked these questions from time to time. Verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And everybody answers, no. We absolutely can't. He's so annoyingly obvious sometimes. He's asking a question we know the answer to, but we don't really like the answer because sometimes we like worrying. We, we know worry and stress and anxiety doesn't add anything to our life. In fact, science tells us it does the opposite. The more you worry, the more anxious you are, the more stress you hold into your body, the shorter your life becomes. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that. And he says, no, you think you're making your life longer. You're actually, you're actually shortening it which is why I want you to stop it because I came to give you life abundant. That starts now. It's the next part, verse 28. Again, he's talking to, this, to an audience that we are not. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, one of the richest, wisest kings in the history of, of Israel, multi-billionaire, probably a trillionaire, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you than what Luke says? What did he say? Oh, you of little what? Hmm. According to Jesus, our willingness to stay stressed and worried and anxious is somehow tied to our faith. It's, it's, it's in some way a spiritual condition. It's some way tied that there's a relationship between our faith and our anxiety, our faith and our worry. And that's not to say that to get rid of anxiety, you just need more faith. That's not, that's not what he's saying here. There are, actually, there are actually two words that Jesus uses here that don't show up anywhere else in the gospel. Jesus takes two words 
and he pushes them and he pulls them together. And so, so when he says, oh, you of little faith, he's poking fun at them. He's actually being sarcastic, which is really good news for me, okay? Because Jesus is he's poking fun at them. When he says, oh, you of little faith, it's like he smiles at them and he says, oh, you little faithers, you. That's what he's saying. You're just, you're just a little faither. If anybody ever says that Jesus wasn't funny, they don't know the real Jesus. He's, he's using humor. He's saying, let me get this right. You believe God created everything, that he provides for his creation. You believe all of that, but you worry God's not going to provide for you the crown of his creation? You're a little faither. Stop being a little faither. He's, he's using humor to make a point. Because again, they've already believed the harder part. They've already believed that this invisible God provides for them in a visible way. Just like you. If you believe in Jesus, you've believed the harder part. You believe a man came back from the dead and you weren't there that Sunday morning. You've already believed the harder part. Why would you not believe that he's going to take care of you? Why would you not believe that he, he knows? And this is where we go, okay, you know what? I can't bring certainty to the future. I've done everything I know to do. I've filled out the application. I've, 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 I've gone there. I've done that. God provides for the birds. I guess I'm going to trust him to provide for me, his prized creation. And so Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how to stop worrying. But first, you got to see your connection. you got to see the connection between your worry and your faith. You'll never understand the solution if you don't understand that connection. Your worry is a faith issue. Okay, goes on. He says it again. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And then he turns a corner in this, this next phrase. This is, this is for those of us who are followers of Jesus, okay? There's sometimes where Jesus is talking specifically to his followers. This is one of those times. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think you should do this. I think you should do it. Just give it a try. I think it'll make you better at life, and I think it'll make your life better. But you don't have to. You're, you're off the hook. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, he, he, he's obvious. He's obviously talking to us here. He's already made this a matter of faith. And then he says, for the pagans, the people who don't believe, people who don't view the world like you, the pagans run after all these things. That's another way of saying they seek. They pursue they run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows. And here's the solution. Here's the answer. Here's the antidote to worry. But you, but you seek first. You run after. You pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So instead of doing what the pagans do, instead of running after, instead of seeking after all of those things that make you worry, I want you to pursue the values and behavior of my kingdom. You pursue that and you watch what happens to your worry. You watch what happens to your anxiety. And here, like this passage it might be one of the most important passages for the church of Jesus Christ in America right now. Here's why. Because see, right now, we could break up 
We could break up into to factions. Like, okay, everybody whose main worry is their family, go back into that corner. Everybody whose worry is the future of our country, go back into that corner. Everybody who's worried about this, go. We, we could break up and we could see, huh, there's a lot of people who are worried about the same things I'm worried about, right? We have things that are common to all of us. And Jesus is saying, when you work, when you live, when you play around people with similar worries to you, because your, your frustration, your worry, your anxiety is common to everybody else. When you do all that as a follower of Jesus, the circumstances aren't different, but our response should be. How we respond, how we think about, how we move into those worries and those anxieties should be different because what does it say about our faith when we respond the same way? What does it say about what we actually believe? Not just we say with words we believe, but we actually believe. And this is one of those windows in time where the church has an opportunity not to just do church on Sunday morning, but to leave here and be the church in the way that we handle in the way that we respond to worry and anxiety and we show people, no, actually, there is hope in the midst of chaos. No, actually, there's an answer in the midst of the mess. And it's how we respond. Our, our struggles are common to all men. The difference is not the struggle. The difference is the response. And Jesus says, don't, don't worry about things you have no control over. That's what people who don't even believe in a heavenly father do. Seek first, pursue first, run after first the values and behavior of my kingdom and then watch what I do. Watch what I do in you and watch what I do around you. And here's how he ends. Therefore, he says it again, this is the third time. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, even if you don't believe anything else in the Bible. Hard to argue with that last part. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, so here's the question. Again, I know I'm speaking from a perspective that doesn't struggle with this, and I, 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 I'm sensitive to that. But if you believe Jesus said all of that, if you believe Jesus has your best interest in mind, if you believe that he came to give us life and life abundant, and that abundant life is actually available, what are you worried about? And I know you got an answer. I know you do. What, what, what are you anxious about? Where do your mind, why does your mind go there? Why do, you, why do you try and connect all of those dots? And I, again, I know the question has come from somebody who doesn't struggle with this, but the question is still a good question. And maybe you're wrestling with that. Maybe you have wrestled with that. Why is this anxiety in me? What is it, where does it come from? Where, why doesn't it go away? Why am I stressed sometimes and, and some weeks and then other weeks? It's the same circumstance, but I'm not. Why is it whenever I go to lay my bed, my, my head in my pillow at night, why does it kick in then? Why is that? Why doesn't it go away? And, and you may have been able to pinpoint one or two or three things, but even that doesn't fully answer the question. Why is it there? 
I don't know why I worry so much. I don't know why I'm anxious. Other times and sometimes I'm not. Here's, here's why, one of the reasons why. Again, I can't solve it all right here. But here's one of the reasons why, specifically anxiety. Because our anxiety reveals what our mind conceals. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes you can't connect the dots. But that anxiety is revealing something. It's, it's trying to reveal something. That's just, it's just a pithy way of saying what some of you have thought before in your life. You know, I'm just a worrier, Tim. I'm just anxious. I'm just somebody who's always there. That's the way I am. It's the way, I've heard people say this, it's just the way God made me. No, he didn't. Life may have made you that way, but Jesus didn't make you that way. If he did, then everything he's saying in Matthew 6 is a lie. And God is not a liar. So no, he didn't create you that way. So here's, here's the word picture I want to give you and then your homework, okay? So it's, it's like stress, it's, it's worry, anxiety. It's attached to something, but you're not really sure what it is, right? Sometimes we do. There are obvious external triggers, but I'm talking more about the things that we're not really sure about. It's like, I know there's something there, but every time I try to figure it out, I can't quite figure it out. And if worry, if stress, if anxiety reveals what our mind conceals, if we follow that, we may be able to actually lead to something. So anxiety, worry, stress, it's like this rope, okay? Um, I know what's at the end of this rope. You guys don't, okay? What's at the end of your rope? If this is your anxiety, if this is your stress, what if you followed it to the end of it? What, what might you find? Again, because, you know, we, we use the phrase, I'm at the end of my rope. It's kind of a negative, it has a negative connotation. I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm exhausted, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. What if we flipped it? And what if we made it a positive thing? Hey, what's at the end of your rope? What's at the end of your anxiety? What's at the end of your worry? Let's figure that out. This is why some of you need to sit down and talk with a professional. Because you've gotten some of the way there, or you can pinpoint some things, but you're not positively sure what it is. And you may need a little bump. You may need a little help. You may need some community to come around you and help you out. That What is it that's at the end of your rope? So here, here's your homework for this week, especially those of you who would consider yourself a chronic worrier. Or there's, there's constant stress, constant anxiety. Here's what I would suggest. Again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but here's what I would suggest. Find out what's at the end of this. Ooh, is it going to fall? What's at the end of your rope? What's at the end of your rope? Figure out what's at the end. And that, that it's going to involve some prayer, going to involve some self-reflection. Maybe it's going to involve pulling in a friend or a spouse, maybe your small group, asking them to help you out. But it starts with the question, what's at the end of my worry? What's at the end of my stress? What's at the end of my anxiety? What is it? And what is that going to reveal for me? Maybe, I don't know this, but maybe you find what's at the end of your rope is what other people think about you. I'm going I'm to talk to high school and college students for a second. Over the last 10 years, the anxiety among your generation has gone through the roof. And you want to know why? Yep. Social media. 
It's all about comparing yourself to other people. And it's not just in the younger generation. It's in my generation as well, okay? It's not just, it's not just your generation. But what is that? Why is that there? Why, why do you feel the need? It's like, if I see myself, I don't like seeing myself on there, but I'm going to post a million selfies. Or I don't like hearing myself on video. And this is someone who's a professional talker publicly. I don't like listening to myself either. But what, what is that? Why is that? And I was, as I was thinking about this one specifically, I've never really cared like tremendously what other people think about me. It's not my top 10 list. It's not that I don't care about people. I just don't care a whole lot about what they think of me. But as I was thinking about this, specifically this week, knowing I was going to present this, and then talking in my D group, talking about Galatians, where Paul talks about putting what God thinks about us above what what man thinks about us. We had a really brief conversation about this, and it led me to following that rope a little further than I have in the past, and I realized, do you, do you know where caring about what people think about me happens for me? Right here. And those of you who are pastors or have been pastors in the past know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a temptation to come into this on a weekly basis, caring more about what you think about me than what you think about God. And if I don't address that, if I don't confess it, if I don't lay it before Jesus and and stop seeking that, I will not do my job as a preacher. I will care more about what you think about me and care more about you leaving thinking about what I said than you leaving thinking about what God said. That's not my job. My job is not to get you to leave here thinking about what I said. My job is to lead you into the presence of Jesus and for you to listen to him. So, you follow your rope, you might not like what's at the end of it. I sure didn't. I didn't like that realization. But you know what? It was clarifying for me. It was very, very clarifying. Maybe that's not the end of your rope. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's money. You're, you're stressed, you're worried, you're anxious about retirement, savings, your mortgage, paying for college. Um, can, can I just point this out? Some people are not worried about the people aspect of what's happening in Ukraine. You're worried about what it's going to do to your portfolio. Why are you worried about that? And again, you have all kinds of answers. Maybe it's not money in terms of worry or fear, but money in terms of success. Because you have enough. You just want another zero on the left side of the decimal. You want a little bit more, you need, you need to be number one in your field, your division, your group. Maybe that's at the end of your rope. What's at the end of your rope? Maybe the thing at the end of your rope is your family. Not everything at the end of the rope is a bad thing, by the way. Maybe you worry about your family, your kids, your parents, your spouse. There's so much anxiety around that when it comes to family. What is it? What's at the end of your rope? I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to pray that every single day this week. Jesus, what's at the end of my rope? And then ask the question, why? Why is that there? Why am I seeking that first? Why am I running after that first? Why is it money, security, success, dating, what other people think, my family? What is it about that that causes the worry, that causes the anxiety in you? And I'm not saying it's an easy thing to see or deal with. But praying at Jesus, 
What's at the end of my rope? And then when he shows you why is it there, that might be the thing that gets you on a different path, that puts you in a different space emotionally and mentally to deal with some of this. If you're not sure, ask somebody close to you. Ask your spouse, right? Put on the armor and then ask your spouse. <laughs> ask a friend. Ask your small group. What's at the end of my rope? What, what do you see that I might not see? Because our, our, our stress, the anxiety, the worry, all that stuff, it conceals. It's concealing something. And I think it would be wise of us to ask God to show us. What is that? Let's seek his kingdom, even when it comes to some of that brokenness in us. Right? So here's your homework. Pretty simple. This week, pray that God would help you see what's at the end of your rope. Pray that God would help you see what's at the end of your rope. And then ask him, why is that there? See what happens. And then next week, we'll come back and we'll talk about fear in part three, all right? Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, this, um, it's so, so much easier for me to sit up here and say this than it is for many of us to walk out and do something about it. Um, but God, your word is true. It brings life. And God, we, we want to be men and women, boys and girls, families and individuals, couples and families, that seek you first, that go after the values and behavior of your kingdom. And it doesn't mean all the worry is going to go away. It doesn't mean all the anxiety is going to go away. But God, it sure puts us in a different position, mentally, relationally, physically even, to hear from you. So God, would you help us as we look, as we follow, and we figure out what's at the end of our rope this week. Would you do it for your Glory, would you do it for your kingdom and would you do it for our good? I pray it all in Jesus' name.